Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Now last week, for those of you who weren't here, we, we, we talked about something called the trivial life. The trivial life, escaping the default mode of the human heart. And if you kind of wonder what that's about, it comes down to this. Don't waste your life. You live once, don't mess around, live for Christ. And we talked about the trivial life. And the opposite of the trivial life is something we'll call the weighty life. And the weighty life is a life that gives glory to God in everything that we do. So this morning, we're going to move away from the trivial life and consider more of the weighty life. And what we're going to do over the next three, four months is we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' famous sermon proclaiming the weighty life. And it starts with something called the Beatitudes. I want you to hear the Beatitudes right now. Don't read them. Listen to them. Are you ready? The Beatitudes, they go like this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the mountainside. And his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the Beatitudes. They've been called the pocket guide, or shall we say, the preamble to the Sermon on the Mount. It's these small, concise statements that are a good summary of what's to come throughout the rest of the sermon. And each one begins with the word blessed, which is probably the best translation of the word beatitude, a transliteration of a Latin word. And the one giving the blessing is God himself, and he approves of the one that pleases him. But the shocking part of this sermon and the shocking part of the Beatitudes is who is receiving the blessing. It's not the super spiritual religious folk of the day, but it's the spiritually broken who are blessed and approved by God. The religious establishment of Jesus' day was predominantly about outward show of acts of righteousness, they would go through these religious motions while their hearts were far from God. 
In contrast, Jesus is presenting these characteristics of those in the kingdom, these beatitudes. These are kingdom characteristics of kingdom people. This means that those under the lordship of Jesus are going to have distinct internal qualities that lead to godly actions. And I want to say something twice to make sure you get this, because many of you have been raised hearing a variety of things about the Beatitudes, so I'll say this twice. The Beatitudes are not a description of how to get into his kingdom, but describing those who have already entered the kingdom. Again, the Beatitudes are not a description of how to get into his kingdom, but describing those who have already entered the kingdom. These Beatitudes are, are not these impossible ideals for you to strive after to make your spiritual life a little bit more better, but descriptions of how God is already working in your life to mold you and to shape you more like Jesus Christ. For every single person in here and watching online who is a follower of Christ, God is already doing a work in you, a work of grace that's manifesting in these variety of blessings. And what I want us to do here this morning as we consider these eight Beatitudes is if you find your heart has drifted, that you have strayed in any of these areas, make it a time of examination, a time of repentance, uh, a time where you're asking God to do a fresh work in your life because these are the kingdom characteristics of kingdom people. You want to know how to live a life that glorifies God? Here we go, right here. So let's start Matthew 5. If you want to look at that, Matthew 5. Matthew 5. We're going to start in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, understand, the crowds are there. It's a lot of, lot of people. But the primary teaching is directed to his disciples. And don't just think 12, but think many. And it's a teaching directed at the disciples in order to entice the crowd. Let's start with the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, what does that mean, poor in spirit? I mean, if you look at the book of Luke, it's a very similar sermon where Jesus says in Luke 6.20, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Poor? Perhaps Jesus is describing a, a literal situation of physical poverty of his disciples in contrast to the financially secure spiritual leaders of the time. But here he says in our passage, poor in spirit which could include physical poverty, but the focus is on the poverty of spirit. A person who is poor in spirit is someone who is completely and totally dependent upon God. Those who are kingdom people realize that apart from God, you have nothing and you are nothing and you cannot function in this life from moment to moment that there are no resources in yourself. So if God does not come through, then that's it. And it says, if you are poor in spirit, yours is the kingdom of heaven. And what does that mean? When you hear the phrases like kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, think about a reign. Think about a king. 
For those of you who are walking after the king are under his reign, under his lordship now. And when he is physically manifested at his return, the physical presence will be under his reign then. So those who walk in these ways are under the lordship of Jesus Christ right now. Now, I think that you're a congregation that can go a little bit deeper here. And so I'm going to take you a little bit deeper briefly. These Beatitudes have rich Old Testament imagery, almost each one of them. And I just want to give you a touch of the Old Testament imagery on this Beatitude. I want to read to you uh, Isaiah 61.1 to note how this beatitude is rooted here. Now, now, you may remember this. Jesus quotes this in the book of Luke. Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The context of Isaiah is that God is coming to intervene and restore his repentant people. Jesus takes this passage, applies it to himself, and basically says that he is the fulfillment. In the fulfillment of this prophecy, Jesus is the intervention of God. And he has not come to save the spiritually rich who have no need of God, but he has come to save the spiritually bankrupt who realize that apart from the intervention of Christ, there is no hope. And you're supposed to see yourself that way, not as a competent person who's lived a good life, who has a great retirement, that you have everything figured out and you're just going to coast the rest of your life. You are to see yourself as someone who is spiritually bankrupt and apart from God, there is no hope for you. Back in 2010 and 2011, I went to Ethiopia to uh, meet my daughter, Mary, when she was a little bitty baby. And when I was there in Ethiopia, it's a little different than uh, America. Actually, it's a lot different. I was over there a couple times, and one of the things that you'll notice is that, for whatever reason, people are, are just lying around all over the place, just laying down, laying on the street. It's almost sometimes as someone, someone just threw them, and they just sat there motionless. And one time I was, I was passing by this guy who was on the side of the road, just laying there motionless, and he was completely naked, had nothing, just laying there naked. And I I thought to myself, how did he end up like that? And then I thought to myself, what does he do next? There's not like a lot of social services around there. He's not, can't go to the Hot Springs Jackson house. I mean, there's no, where does he go next? What does he do next? My brothers and sisters, that is you. Spiritually speaking, that is you. Apart from Christ, you have nothing, no resources. And if you try to figure out your life, what do I do next apart from Christ, that's not going to go so well. We are to be poor in spirit. We place ourselves under the reign of Christ and let him rule and take care of us. So bring us to the next one, okay? The next one, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Just those under the reign of Christ mourn. Now, the Christian life is not about moping around, but it does face the reality of sin, and sin causes pain in our world. For starters, those who mourn over their sin realize 
their own sinfulness. And, and I'm just curious, do you realize the depth of your own sinfulness? And if you start to understand the depth of your own sinfulness, that is something that will grieve you. Now, I want to make sure you understand what it means to mourn over your own sin. When people sin in the Bible, there, there's, there's a distinction between uh, godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. You know what godly sorrow is? Godly sorrow is being when you're busted in your own sin, you realize that you've fallen short of the glory of God. You realize you've blown it. Godly sorrow repents, goes to God for forgiveness, and finds grace and mercy. But you know what worldly sorrow is? Worldly sorrow is feeling bad that you got busted. You could almost say it's a difference between a, a Peter repenting, right, and Judas, right? Peter, godly sorrow. Judas, just worldly sorrow. And the distinction here is those who are truly followers of Christ will mourn over their sins and realize that it's in the cross of Christ where they are forgiven. But not only are believers those who mourn over their personal sin, now get this, true believers mourn over the sin in the world and the effects sin has on the world. One of my favorite books, probably one of the top five books, is something called Operation World. Anybody ever have a clue what that is? A few of you, Operation World. All right, now, Operation World is basically one big, thick prayer book. And it will take you through all the countries of the world describe them, tell you what's going on in that country so that you can pray for the people in that country. And it's alphabetical. So let me just share with you some things that should make you mourn under the letter B as I describe some of these countries. For example, in the letter B, Brazil. Brazil has 7 million child laborers that should make you mourn. They have 600,000 young girls involved in prostitution that should make you mourn. Botswana has the second highest prevalence of AIDS and 100,000 AIDS orphans. That should make us mourn. In Bahrain, over 90% of the population is perishing without Christ. Without Jesus, they'll be lost forever. Now, we don't turn our mind to happy thoughts and think happy thoughts. These things, the effects of sin, sin in our world, should cause us to mourn. And the word of God says that we are blessed when we mourn because we'll be comforted. You go, well, how are we going to be comforted? Well, when we mourn over our sin, we are comforted with the forgiveness in Christ. And when we mourn over the effects of sin in this world, we are comforted by Christ now, but we also know that the fullness of his kingdom is coming and that death and sorrow and sin will not have the last word. So we are comforted with that as well. Those in the kingdom, a characteristic is you mourn over sin. Well, keep going. Verse 5 says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Many of you have grown up uh, understanding this as blessed are the meek. The meek and the humble, very similar. And I know in our day and time, many think that meekness is weakness, but meekness is not weakness. Can you think of the two strongest humble characters in the Bible that speaks of humility and meekness? Great leaders. You can think of Moses and Jesus. And in fact, it says that their meekness and humility were demonstrated in their suffering. 
You know, if you read in the Old Testament, it talks about Moses, one of the most humble person to ever live. And that statement about his meekness and his humility was made when he was being oppressed, when those closest to him were opposing him. And you can think about the humility of Jesus coming out through his entire life as he lived a life of poverty and suffering, and he committed his life totally to the Father. And the reality is that those who are in the kingdom will display meekness, humility. (laughs) And then it says, oh, by the way, you'll inherit the earth. You're like, what in the world does meekness have to do with land inheritance? What's the connection? Well, just imagine those in the crowd who are hearing Jesus. I mean, they're being oppressed by the Romans who is occupying their land. And most probably thought they needed to fight to get their land back and reclaim it. But Jesus says, no, 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 the meek and the humble will inherit the earth. So those who are humble don't strike back, and they're going to get the earth. You know, one day under the reign of Christ in its fullness, we will reign in the new heavens and the new earth. We get the earth. We reign with Christ on this earth. Try to understand that God is not calling you to grab and to fight and to force your rights but to operate under his reign and control. So when pressure is applied to you in your life, humility is to come out, because not because you're so super humble person, it's because you follow a humble Lord. When personal pressure is applied to you, you should display humility. We are to be humble people. Humble people not just in person, but also humble people on social media. Sometimes on social media, people are like attack dogs, but they're not like that in person. You're to be the same person online and in person. And also for those of you who are politically active, in your political activity, you're to be humble and meek. Has that been a good description of you and your political activity? You don't shut that off. You're a Christ follower no matter what realm you're in. We follow our humble Lord. Look at 6. Verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will shall be satisfied. Well, that's a good one. So those who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ seek righteousness and justice on this earth. And the righteousness involved here has to do with obedience to God's will. Let's think about Jesus. And John 4, 34, when Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus saying food is obedience. <clears throat> and in Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus is responding once again to the temptation of Satan, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So just like we would be physically hungry and that'd be satisfied with literal food and drink, we are to be hungry for God's will, and in that, we will be satisfied. I'm going to say something that may kind of, you don't think this way, but you may think obeying God is so unsatisfying. Obeying God does not make you very full. But the word of God says that the fullness of your joy and the fullness of your happiness and the fullness of your satisfaction in God will come through 
obedience. The happiest people in the Lord who seek joy in him are also obedient people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Let's keep going. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Those who operate in the kingdom have the characteristic of mercy. Well, why is that? Because they understand that they are also in need of mercy. Believers can extend forgiveness to others because God has extended mercy to you. If you are a sharp tongue critic of others, you're missing the whole point that God has been merciful to you. You were an object of wrath, deserve nothing but hell and fire forever, and you get grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and now you're supposed to display that mercy to others. Our God is a merciful God, and in turn, we are to be merciful people to those who offended us, to those who are suffering, to those who are straying. People will often look around the world and they will see calamities and they'll they'll ask the question of why God is not more merciful? Why doesn't God alleviate suffering? It's been said that when the, the genocide happened in Rwanda, people often said, where was God? Where was God during that genocide? When when a more appropriate question would be, where was God's people? If we're to be merciful people, we are to inject ourselves into places of suffering and offense and show and demonstrate mercy following the mercy that God has shown us in Christ. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, the context, once again, is these religious leaders of the day often were set on these outward displays of religious emotion. And Jesus is like, let's talk about the heart. Let's talk about what's going on inside of you. Let's talk about what you think about, what you dream about, what's going on. Is your heart for the Lord? And those who have a heart for the Lord will see him. Of course, we'll see him face to face one day, but now we experience him through his grace and his mercy. I think there, there is wisdom to continue to ask God to search your heart to know you. There's wisdom to continue to ask your questions about what is going on inside. To ask yourself that when you have some space to think, what are you thinking about? When your mind slips into neutral, what are you thinking about? Are you easily deceived? Do you find yourself la- laughing at, at improper jokes? Do you find yourself having a heart that wants to pursue worldly things. The pure in heart shall see God, for there is satisfaction in him alone. That's why I think it's, it's, it's wise to be honest about what's going inside. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This one's hard, because I don't know if there's anybody in here who's, who's conflict avoidant. Who, anybody like to avoid conflict? Anybody here? Yeah. Peacemakers. Not just peacekeepers, let's just keep the peace. No, no, let's deal with stuff and be peacemakers. We think about the Lord Jesus Christ making peace between us and the Father through his life, death, and resurrection. And now he calls us to be peacemakers, like father, like son. 
for they will be called sons of God. And it's not always easy because when conflict arises, I don't know about you, but I want to either want to run away from the conflict or I want to deal with it by attacking others. Anybody else? Conflict happens, I want to run away, see you later, or I want to attack people. We are to be peacemakers. A story I heard on Friday night, I was talking to someone who actually did this. This, is, this. this scene is going to be repeated over and 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 over again over the next few months. So I'm going to go ahead and throw this out to you now. Um, Friday, this person told us that they went outside the village to a vaccination site. And let's just say there wasn't a lot of peacemakers there. More like troublemakers. And this person told me it was just a lot of village people. <laughs> now, and I know it wasn't you, but... And, and this person was there, and there's several people on staff, and they could just see the conflict and the trouble and all, all the confusion. And, and this person went up to the staff and said, do you guys need anything? They're like, we haven't had a break all day. I said, do you, I'm going to go right now to Sonic and get you whatever you want. That's got to be the kind of mindset we have, especially in this turmoil time we got going on, that we're going to jump in and we're going to do something totally drastic than what everybody else is doing. And we're peacemakers. So keep that in mind, especially in these vaccination sites, whenever you go, if you go or whatever, Peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Peacemaker. And then Jesus finishes off with the last one. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This persecution is going to be happening upon believers. Maybe you set out to bring peace and it doesn't go so well. Or you set out to show mercy and become criticized. Jesus is saying, you know, we're going to be those who are persecuted, but you're living under my reign, under my kingdom. And I know you've heard this before, but it's not going so well for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. Just this morning, I was reading about our brothers and sisters in India who are really being persecuted. They're being persecuted, especially those who have converted from Hinduism. They're being, they're being persecuted. They're being cut off of their families. And especially during the time of COVID, many of them are starving because they're not getting the allocation of food that they need to survive because they are Christians and they're being cut off. And Jesus is speaking to them that that's the blessed life. Why is it blessed? Because guess who else was persecuted because of righteousness? The Lord Jesus Christ. And they're walking in the footsteps of his suffering. And they have fellowship with him and their suffering as they live under his reign. Now, chances are you've heard these eight most of your life, right? These eight Beatitudes, you just kind of just hear these all the time. But have you ever taken them and said, okay, I'm going to just run my life through this grid. Run your life through the grid of these Beatitudes. Is this your posture? Is this your heart? Is this what you display? It is amazing to me how I can be so locked in on what is true and what is right, and then I can get distracted by trivialities so quick. Back in 2010, 2011, when I was hanging out in Ethiopia with my daughter and meeting her uh, for the first time before we were going to bring her home, I mean, when, when, I don't know if you've ever been like this, like on a mission trip, you're like, you're like locked in. You know what's right. 
you know what matters, you see what's trivial, and then you come back to the States and everything gets blown up, right? I mean, I was locked in when I flew back. I was like, I know what matters. I know what's important. Then I took my kids to this little kitty movie in the theater, something about Gulliver's Travels and, and Jack Black was the actor. And I was sitting there in the theater and I thought, this is stupid. This is so trivial. This is so pointless. People are suffering around the world. We have to do something. And then time goes on and we just slip back into the old ways of triviality. I'm tired of doing that. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to waste my life. Jesus is giving us legit characteristics of kingdom people. He's already started this work in your life. And so if you go through these eight, examine your heart, examine your life, and see, are you walking in these kingdom characteristics? And if you've strayed at a certain point, it's appropriate to repent, find forgiveness and mercy. So let's do some serious heart work here at the end. Go to a time of prayer, walk through each beatitude and examine our hearts and ask God to continue to work and to change us. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.